This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Welcome to The Better Buy, a new podcast from Better Homes and Gardens. I'm your host, Melanie Berlier. Each week, we'll talk to experts about the highs and lows of home ownership and share stories, advice, and practical tips you can actually put to work in your own space. In this episode, I'm speaking with Julia Markham, aka Chris Loves Julia, who turned her passion for building beautiful spaces into a successful lifestyle blog and family business. Julia and Chris believe in celebrating every step of the home improvement process, enjoying their home at every stage, and sharing their journey with their millions of fans along the way. Well, thank you so much for being here, Julia. We're really excited to speak with you. Thank you so much for having me. I would love to start with the story of your first home purchase. Oh my goodness. That's such a great story. So we bought our first home back in 2011. We had been living in a basement apartment, married for about a year and a half, and we had a one-year-old almost, and we didn't have a lot of money, but we caught wind that there was a grant available for first-time home buyers, and it was a $5,000 grant in the state of Utah where we were living at the time, and we thought if we had a $5,000 grant and an FHA loan where we only had to put 3% down, then maybe we could actually swing this. Chris Loves Julia, our blog, had already started. I was very interested in really bringing to life something instead of a move-in ready house. Like a move-in ready house was not something I was interested in at all. But we told our realtor that we were like looking for a fixer-upper. He did not catch the vision at all. He was bringing us to these homes that were condemned. Like, I think we even said our budget was $130,000 for a house. And the homes that he was bringing us to were just not suitable. And we finally stopped working with him as a realtor. This is not an exaggeration. We had seen over 80 houses in our first home search. Wow. And none of them were clicking. And I could see he was frustrated and we were frustrated and we kept sending him houses that we were interested in, you know, something like this, something like this, but the area wasn't right. And we ended up getting a new realtor and we looked at two houses and found the one and put in an offer and it all ended up being great. And, you know, we moved in and started making it our own over the next two years we lived there. But I think that first experience really taught me that finding the realtor that really understands you is so key because they literally are the key in getting you this house. We were just so misaligned on that. And It was such a long experience, but really fun once it paid off. You mentioned that you knew you wanted a fixer-upper rather than a move-in ready house. Do you think it takes a certain personality type to go for a fixer-upper? And if so, can you describe what traits make you a fixer-upper type? 
Yes. Here's one explanation. It can't be one person. If you're moving into a house with another person, you both have to be fixer-upper people. Otherwise, (laughs) your relationship is doomed as much as the house. So Chris and I work really well together. I mean, we've been married for 14 years now, and we're just the kind of people that love to see the potential in something. We see the potential. We like to make it better. There's so many houses out there that could be improved on. And I just started treating our homes like canvases. And I have all of these creative ideas. And it's more fun for me to see the potential and make it my own rather than walk into something brand new and change it. I just feel so wasteful. And so for me, there's a lot less guilt. There's a lot more excitement and a lot of long nights and hard work. I'm not going to lie to go in on a fixer upper, but the love and bond that you make with a home when you like put blood, sweat, and tears into a fixer-upper is just something I just might be addicted to it. And your husband too, it sounds like. And my husband too. I will say he's probably less so than I am, but definitely supportive and excited to jump on any projects that come to my mind. Do you tend to divide and conquer when tackling the build out of a home or do you tackle all projects as a unified front? We're very slow and steady when it comes to renovating. You know, flippers have been a really big sensation over the last decade or so. And I've never considered myself a flipper. We have bought, moved in and renovated our homes while living there This is our fourth house that we're living in right now over the last 14 years. And so it's just a passion. And it's not like when a house is done, we buy another house. It's like the whole time that we're living in our homes, they evolve because we evolve as people living there. Whether we have another child, we have three young girls now in our priorities change or the way we live in the house changes or we're suddenly living by a bunch of family. We want a really big dining room and that brings new possibilities or, you know, we're living in a new climate and what does that mean for us? And so we do it slow and steady. And I sometimes, I'm not going to lie, look at people that are able to renovate a whole house up front and divide and conquer and bring in everything. And then in six months, it's all done. And they're like, live happily ever after in that house. I like sometimes get super jealous of those people because I'm like, (laughs) I've lived in a construction zone for the last four years. But that is my choice. And we have budget restraints, and we have time restraints. And we enjoy the process along the way in a different way. Can you speak to me in that vein a little bit about your mantra and how you are definitely not a before and after blog? Yeah, I've always said Chris Loves Julia is not a before and after blog, that we are a process blog and we're a progress blog. And my main mantra is don't wait to enjoy your spaces until all the dust is cleared and settled and all the shiny new furniture is unwrapped because you never know when that's going to be. But also, 
the moments that you miss waiting, that big lesson came to us actually as we were renovating an A-frame cabin up in the Palisades in Idaho that we had bought. And we had been renovating it for a year and a half. And we had so many fun nights up there with friends during the renovation. We had Christmas up there. We didn't have a kitchen. There was sawdust and we were having sleepovers and it burned down. The entire home burned down? The entire cabin burned down. And we were not done with the renovation. We probably had another year, to be honest. And all we have left is the memories that we made during that time there. That's when I just started preaching, like, don't wait to live in your houses until they're done, or don't wait to invite people over until you feel confident or until, you know, it's perfectly clean. Like, we entertain all the time. And I'm always like, oh, yeah, that room's getting renovated, or there's sawdust and there's (laughs) plastic taped up. And I even, I let guests wear shoes in our house because I'm like, it's a construction zone still. Don't worry about it. And I don't care. I care more about the experiences than the carpet. I Mm. just do. And I'm so passionate about home. And I think home is so much more than a structure, but it really comes down to it's the memories that you make in it. And I love improving spaces because through that we're making memories, but also we're improving the spaces to really bring out these wonderful memories that we hope to someday. Yeah, I love that notion that a home never even is really finished, right? It's constantly evolving to meet your changing needs. Right. Did you ever determine the cause of that fire? It was something in the furnace room. That's just where the fire started, they determined. We were fortunate to get, you know, insurance to cover it, but we had professionals install HVAC and there was a gas leak and it was a pretty bad situation. So, but everyone was safe, right? Everyone was safe. We were in the cabin less than 24 hours before and it happened in the middle of the night. Wow. It was honestly so scary just to think of the what ifs. But we're so fortunate that we get to focus instead on the things that we were able to do there instead. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you're currently living in your fourth home together with yes. your husband. How was the search for home number four different from the process for searching for home one? Each home search was totally different. This one was unique because it was across the country which we had never done before. The search required us to block off weekends of flying across the country, searching for houses for 12 hours a day, and then flying back. But this one, we actually saw our very first visit. And I remember walking into it, and it honestly felt too big. It was the same square footage as what was our current home, but I just couldn't make sense of all of the rooms. It just seemed like there were so many rooms. And it was a lot different than our other house, but I wanted that. I love the architecture in North Carolina. It's so traditional, colonial. I grew up in a red brick house in Pittsburgh. And so moving back east in a red brick house was something that I really wanted. And we ended up looking at these other houses, our second trip out. And I couldn't stop thinking about this house. 
And this was the beginning of 2021. The real estate market was super hot. Every house we looked at, our realtor said, if you want it, you got to move on it because it's going to go fast. And we were about to put an offer on this other house and we slept on it. We woke up the next morning. I said, before we put an offer, I just want to go look at that other house one more time because we loved the neighborhood so much and we loved the look of it and the exterior and it was so much of what we wanted and it needed some work, but we wanted that too. And we just went room by room. We started visualizing what it could be. We're like, what if we did this? And what if we did this? And what if this room was this? And this could be this daughter's room and this could be this daughter's room. And it was amazing that once we assigned almost a story to every room in the house, we were hooked. And we're like, yes, we want to put an offer. And we ended up surprisingly getting it. And we were so thrilled. But I really do think the first house, it was kind of the only house we could afford. And we made the best of it. And our fourth house was like, I feel like it's our dream house. It's just, we were telling a story of our family growing up here before we even got it. And it made me so excited. And it was that devastating feeling. Like if I don't get it, I don't know if there's another one. It sounds like you really envisioned yourselves there. Yeah. You experienced some difficulties with the most recent move. And I'm wondering if you can tell us what happened and what you learned. Whew. Yeah. Basically, what happened was we were moving from Idaho to North Carolina. And we were looking for a full service moving company, someone to come pack up our stuff, drive it across the country, unpack our stuff. We had some help in Idaho, but on the other side of it, we didn't know anyone at the time. And so this was our first time actually hiring movers before this. We've always just done it ourselves, but this was a big cross-country move. And so we ended up calling this brokerage company, which is a red flag. And I've shared a lot of moving red flags on my blog, Chris Loves Julie, about moving. I know some people won't agree that a moving brokerage is a red flag. I'm not saying it's a deal breaker. I'm saying it's a red flag and do your due diligence when you're doing this. So we hired a moving brokerage company to hire packers and movers to come to the house. And he gave us an estimate of how much it would be. And it was expensive. I want to say he quoted us around $12,000, which didn't seem too high, but he said it might go up once we get your breakdown of everything in your house. And so that was his first initial thing. We're like, okay, $12,000. Then over the next couple weeks leading up to our move, he had us measure every piece of furniture in the house. We did a virtual walkthrough of the house And we had to put everything in an Excel sheet of all the furniture measurements and everything so he could give us an accurate estimate of how much this would be. And he came back and it was less than a week before we were supposed to be moving. And he said it was going to be $25,000. We're like, well, that's more than double the initial estimate. But we talked to some people and they still said, it seems like that's an okay number for 
our house was 6,000 square feet. We were moving across the country. It was full service. And we're like, okay, $25,000. The day of the move came and the crew showed up and they started packing up all of our things. And I was there to kind of direct everyone to what needed packed. And a couple hours into the packing, a man who was kind of leading the group pulled my husband, Chris, aside and just said that he looked over everything in the house and he thinks that this is going to be way more than $25,000. And they had already started packing everything up. We're like, what? It was like, we had to be out the next day. We signed the closing papers already. And at the end of that day, he said it was going to be $53,000. Oh my. I felt so sick to my stomach we just felt trapped. Like we didn't know what we were going to do. When I tell this story, I always say me saying these words now, it sounds ridiculous. Now I could easily say, well, forget it, leave everything where it is and I'll figure out something else. But when you are in this really vulnerable, chaotic, stressful situation, your mind is not in the right space. And those people prey on that. And mm-hmm. there's so many news articles that have come out recently since we've told our story and they prey on these situations and they find these really vulnerable people and they keep extorting them for more money. By the end of the second day, they had put everything in the moving truck And he sat down with us and we were going to pay the $53,000. And he said it was actually going to be $85,000. And they had all of our stuff and they had driven it away. And he said he was going to need $30,000 cash. I was like, our bank doesn't even give that much cash. We're not going to give you that much money before we even get to our final destination. Anyway, it just got worse and worse. And by the time we got to North Carolina, I think we had paid them $70,000. And they showed up and the truck driver that arrived said, just so you know, this isn't all your stuff. I saw a storage unit in Idaho that has your stuff in it. And he took a video, thank goodness, of the storage unit. We were eyeing all the TVs, all the bikes our dining room table, the piano that was Chris's great-grandmother's, all of these really high-ticket items that they still had. And they had already taken so much money from us. And when they arrived, they said they're not unloading anything until we give them $10,000 cash. And it was just this nightmare situation that every step of the way, there was a red flag. And every step of the way, there was an opportunity to stop. We didn't get our money back. We were able to get our stuff that was in that storage unit. No thanks to them. We actually had to get a court order. And I am 100% confident that they are planning on selling all that stuff because that's how the other news stories go. We were able to get our friends and family there, load up a different truck and get it to North Carolina for additional money. And what I learned there was just that you feel helpless in those situations And to just have someone present that maybe is a little bit outside of the situation that can help you see clearer. If something doesn't sound right, call the police or just call your authorities. 
I don't think that we're ever going to get our money back. But fortunately, I think our story can help warn other people. And I do know the FBI is still on this case trying to find these people and stop them from doing this to anyone else, which is the biggest thing that we can ask for right now. We'll be back with more from Julia Markham after the break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to The Better Buy, a podcast from Better Homes and Gardens. Moving on to hopefully a more lighthearted aspect of the home buying process, I'm wondering where you get your inspiration when you embark on fixer-uppers. Yeah, honestly, a lot of it comes from old movies or TV shows that I'm currently watching that's where the inspiration starts. But then I always make it my own because each family is so individual and your needs are individual. And I really focus on family-friendly design, you know, with three kids. I want our home to be as much theirs as it is mine and my husband's. And so I strive to make it feel and look really nice and calm and sophisticated and traditional and modern and all the things that we like as adults, but also unbreakable and a place where they can be themselves and a place where nothing's off limits. There's no room in our house that you can't sit in as a child. I don't know if you had one of those rooms growing up, but we were like, oh, we don't actually sit in that room. That room's just for show. And it goes back to that don't wait mantra that I'm like, we're not going to wait to use the good plates and we're not going to wait to use this really beautiful room. We're going to use it all every day. I agree 100%. I did grow up with one of those rooms I wasn't allowed to sit in. (laughs) You've said that people should never abandon their budget in the name of time. And I know that when you started out from being a reader of your blog, that your budget at first was $20 a month. So I'm Mm -hmm. wondering if you can share some of your favorite money-saving tips. We do something every day called the Daily Dupe where we share like this really high-end item and this really great look-alike for less money. But honestly, the best place to go if you're on a budget is secondhand. That is the best bang for your buck almost always in every single one of my spaces. I like to include something old or vintage. I always work on a budget. And for me, the best way to save money is one, figure out what your budget is first, but then also spend all of that money. If your budget is $25, then you have $25 to spend. And that doesn't mean that you should try to go under budget. Be realistic with your budget. And that will allow you to create a room that you don't want to redo 
over and over and over again. I think a lot of people feel like, well, I don't have the money right now. And so I'm going to buy the cheapest version of everything to get this room done. When realistically, give yourself more time to do it, invest in pieces one by one, have a little patience, watch the room evolve, and then you're not going to want to redo the room again. Buying the cheapest version of everything will usually lead down the road to just wanting to redo it and spending more money. Are there any specific items or projects that you recommend consistently splurging on? Okay, so paint is such an inexpensive way to give a room an entirely new life. I love paint, and it's such an inexpensive way to do it. I mean, you can transform a whole room for like 50 bucks. I can't. Just get the nicer paint. It's such a small thing to splurge on that it's worth it because it might cost you 20 more dollars and you're not going to have to do five coats. You might only have to do two coats and it's going to wear a lot better, wipe a lot better. There are different quality when it comes to paint and the price difference isn't that much. And generally in a kitchen, if you splurge on cabinets, well, that's a difference of tens of thousands of dollars. But if you splurge on the hardware on the cabinets, that's a difference of tens of dollars. And so splurge on the hardware because that's going to make your cabinets, no matter how much they cost, look more expensive. Right now in my life, I really like splurging on lighting because I think lighting makes such a big difference in a room. I like to have at least two to three sources. And I think it brings so much personality to a space. And so that's something I'm currently splurging on, but I always recommend splurging on paint, hardware, anything you're going to sit on, like your main couch. I was just explaining to a friend over the weekend, let's say the normal house, you maybe have one living room. Maybe you have a second like family room space. So a max of two couches, you're going to buy one or two couches for your whole house. Save up buy the thing that you really want. When you tackle a new home, how do you decide where to start and what to do next along the way? Oh, that's the million dollar question. Where to start? I have this thing, and my readers will know this, where I like to start in the smallest space because I use it as kind of a little mood board for the rest of the house. I try out an aesthetic. In our last few houses, I've started with a powder bathroom. It's almost like a little tiny hint of what's to come. But I love to start in main living spaces where you can kind of set the tone for the rest of the house. Traditionally, your primary bedroom comes last. And I tell you, it's worth it to do it first to kind of give yourself a little sanctuary while you work on everything else. That's smart. What is your favorite room in your current home and why? My favorite room in our current home is probably our family room. It's upstairs. It's paneled in like a really bold cobalt blue paneling that we added and we painted. But we have a TV in there and a big sectional and lots of windows. And it really feels like a memory maker room. You know, we have Friday night family movie night there and 
we play virtual reality there. And when we have people over, we usually hang out upstairs and our girls have their little computer stations in there. And so it's this really intimate space because it's upstairs, but it's also this gathering place that feels so good. And we went so bold in there, which I'm so grateful for. I think I, it feels like a room that would be in like a modern day little women. It has the nostalgia of like an old room, but then some really modern elements, even the color feels kind of more modern. I can just see it being a room that we remember for a really long time. The blue room, as my girls call it. The power of paint is real. Yes. And I love that association, that tendency to associate rooms with television and film that you mentioned earlier. That's fascinating. Not just Pinterest for inspiration, right? right? Right. What is the first thing you notice when you enter someone else's home? Lighting every time. I just am such a stickler when it comes to light bulb color. I'm like a 2700 to 3000 Kelvin. Like I know the Kelvin that I like. (laughs) And when I go in someone's house and the light bulb colors are all different or they have too cool of light bulbs, I always notice. And yeah, that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's so specific. I love it. If you could give one piece of advice to new homeowners, what would it be? I got to bring it back to budget. Set a budget. Talk about it with your partner. If you're buying the home with someone else, get on the same page about it. And then give yourself that budget every single month to improve your space. My sister's recently bought a home and I told her that advice. I was like, give yourself a budget. Every month you get to buy something for your house. Make that a part of your budget. And she's like, this month I'm going to do the guest room. It's really exciting to give yourself that freedom to do that. But it all comes down to budget, I think. And also invite someone over. I think inviting someone over helps a home feel like a home faster than anything else. Great. So I'm going to just ask a few rapid fire questions. Okay. What does home mean to you in a single word or feeling? Family. Spacious lawn or large basement? Spacious lawn. Super high ceilings or lots of natural light? You're going to make me choose between the two things I love the most. Lots of natural light. Lots of natural light can make a ceiling feel taller. Neighbors or privacy? I love living next to neighbors. So I'm going to choose neighbors. Playroom or game room? Mm, Playroom now, but in five years, maybe game room. Fully renovated or fixer-upper? Fixer-upper. Every day, all day. (laughs) And last but certainly not least, pom-poms or tassels? Tassels. I just got a new armoire with a little key with a tassel on it and... I can already tell it might be one of my favorite pieces in our house. So tassels all day. Wonderful. Is there anything you wanted to speak to that we didn't get a chance to cover today? I just want everyone to feel like the best thing that you can do in your home is make it your own. That's the best part about owning a home is you get to make it your own. I'm there to inspire people, but think about one or two things that you can change to adapt it to your own space. 
That's really great advice. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Julia. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you, Melanie. It's been so great to be here. You've been listening to The Better Buy from Better Homes and Gardens. Be sure to follow The Better Buy on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. We'd love your feedback, so please rate this podcast and leave us a review. And make sure to come back next Wednesday for more. I'll see you then.